maybe earlier, actually, uh, probably the Bikini Island was one humongous underwater UFO base, basically flying disk base, uh, and that was known in the early 1940. Uh, it was uh, March of 1940, so there was a number of this activity at that time. Uh, Japanese, before we got to war with them, they had a number of problems with uh, uh, flying balls of light, as they called them, or uh, a divine second wind, as they also uh, They thought they were godlike. However, the gods don't come down and murder populace, so their idea of such uh, ended rather abruptly. Uh, they became rather frightened. They declared war with us, they hoping that if they lost the war, and this is strict, strictly skeptical at this point in time, because I've heard this from only three different sources of the U.S. Navy, uh, that if, if we captured enough territory, maybe we could leave them. And uh, that would solve their problem. But although that's pretty skeptical, I can't prove that one way or not. Um, the alien agenda basically is to take over planet Earth by another race of beings, or races of beings. Um, the U.S. government has known about this alien agenda at least since early Hitlerian times, probably as early as 1933. Uh, the reason for that is the Third Army, uh, under Patton and others, just afterwards, yeah, lured that there was some other agenda other than World War II that, that was an immediate threat to the people of this planet. Uh, in fact, General Douglas MacArthur was one time quoted as saying the very next war that was toward the close of World War II in 1945, he actually was quoted in saying the next war we have will be not from people of Earth, but it will be from people. The world war, talking about the worst, will be from uh, races from the stars. Of course, this spawned a lot of speculative uh, science fiction writing and that kind of thing like that. It was all from then on, he's kind of looked at it as a doddering old fool. Um, he was a very visionary man, saying, please, if anything he knew about the alien agenda in World War One times. Let me go further back in history. First UFOs seen in, and occupants seen in the caves and in and around Truth and Consequences in New Mexico were spotted by U.S. Army Cavalry in 1909. So, this is a little earlier than most people would have thought. Supposedly, U.S. Cavalry had come across some, they were chasing some bandits. And, uh, chased them in this area, and uh, there was these caves, and uh, they were rather highly infested with aliens, and what they called the silver wing, they didn't help with light, all the around were, were uh, very primitive aircraft, and, uh, and of course there were balloons, and that was about it. 1909 is pretty far back in time. Anyway, uh, the alien agenda means, as far as 
anything goes, as far as the government is concerned, it's the worst scenario they could ever face. Because it involves not only having to tell the public major lies and hang a window all the time, but and keeping the public out of their face uh, slowly is breaking down. And I'm helping do that because I remember my uh, forefather of this country, uh, George Washington, which I'm saying an uninformed populist is a populist devoted to slavery. And so one must consider that if we become uninformed, uh, we ourselves have to take up battle against this kind of a scourge. If we're uninformed, uh, then we're defeated already. So uh, I'm not here to panic anybody or start a panic, but uh, I feel that by lying to the American public, this is not the, uh, this is not the American way. And we need to do something about that. As a matter of fact, as I'm talking, we need to we need to also be talking and doing our homework regarding that. And, and there's a lot of people say, well, I don't have the time. You can take 20 minutes a day, can't you? And we can go from there. You'd be surprised if we're about this after you found out one little truth, another, 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 and very simple. comes a snowball. But back to the alien agenda. Uh, throughout the half, almost half of the deep underground military bases in the United States, the 62 of them, of the 131, uh, actually the 129, they're fully operational. The other two are under construction. Uh, uh, 62 of these bases are housing uh, both the tall gray as well as the short gray alien and all of their craft. And, uh, and of course, our government especially the U.S. Air Force and U.S. Navy predominantly, uh, are trying to break this uh, their technology down into usable technology for our own self. Case in point is uh, this particular scenario. The F-117A, the B-2 bomber, maybe the Aurora, although that's not an accurate rendition of what it looks like. Uh, they're, the, the airframes are predominantly made of alien metals, metals beyond element 109, uh, and metal composites, some of the skins of which are composed of rubber and carbon fiber, and, uh, and the airframes are composed of, uh, of complex carbon fibers mixed with uh, elements such as marinite, which is element 123, which is extremely stable. I just kind of slapped this together. It's not quite as professional done as these. But this was in Saudi Arabia. At that time, they had 58 of these. This was half the fleet. And I'll give you a few statistics of these aircraft. First of all, it's got a radar absorbing material. That's the cold black coating. Uh, it's a it's a type of a in a while I'll get out some alien artifacts for you, some metals and some some of the doping or painting uh, that drips off of this aircraft is heated up to a white hot position. And uh, anyway, these are specially hangered. They have to be kept cool. 
They have to be uh, kept at a temperature of 60 degrees, roughly, uh, when they're not moving. Uh, there's faceting on the edges. The faceting is a scalenohedral crystalline form. It's a crystalline form that predominantly does not occur on planet Earth and it is an alien, once again, alien technology that has been adapted to Earth-type or terrestrial-type technology. Uh, these ideas were first thought of in, in Soviet Russia and later they were adapted. They couldn't use that particular kind of a, uh, thing in, in the early 70s. And so one of their scientists defected, came over here and started to work immediately with Lockheed. His name was Suvokov, I believe is his name, Anatoly Suvokov. This fellow was also a pioneer and such. His name was Paul Benowitz. Uh, he was going to go public with the UFO and the agenda thing. He was, uh, he was a CIA pilot. He was also with the U.S. Air Force. Of course, they couldn't let that happen, so they um, uh, stepped him in the truck of a car one night, took him off to a mental institution and uh, made him into a uh, mental vegetable. He can't even write his own name today. If it wasn't for a brother who spent a million dollars and a sister looking, looking for him, uh, he'd probably still been rotting away in some institutions. Okay, what we've got here, like I mentioned, is, is alien, basic alien technology was adapted uh, for us. Um, Paul Benowitz, once again, he developed and uh, developed the shape of this aircraft as well as uh, the uh, how the bombs were to be dropped. He was also into other projects through Los Alamos. Uh, this, this is in Saudi Arabia. And uh, I'll tell you a few statistics about this during the Gulf War. Uh, during the Gulf War, this particular aircraft uh, had four large bombs underneath. They were called smart bombs, uh, cruise missiles, and also rockets and uh, machine gun fire, Vulcan cannon style, but even more advanced than that. I don't really know quite about that. Uh, there was one pilot that sat in here. You literally had to be crammed in. Take you right up in here. And to literally wedge him in there and uh, took a certain weight and size of individual in this aircraft. And uh, all the Computronics is made by Mitsubishi uh, Computronics and Heavy Electric Industries. Uh, the uh, jets were both uh, turbine as well as nuclear powered for extremely high flight. Uh, by the way, the smart bombs that were used in the Gulf War, uh, 58 aircraft ran 3,706 sorties or missions. 100% of the bombs hit the target. 100% of the rockets hit the target. Uh, shot up 
completely destroyed the Iraqi air, Iraqi air defense systems. Uh, it was a 100% system. Only one aircraft suffered one small uh, uh, hit, or actually where a missile just barely missed it, and it just chipped out part of that, but the aircraft was able to make it home. It was a minor repair aircraft back in service. But anyway, now have, there's some 179 of these built. They're building about uh, one every other month. They're about they're $208 million aircraft. Uh, well, this one here is about a $188 million aircraft, and it's got the problems. Although recently, the F-117A uh, Blackjack, as they're known as, um, originally housed uh, at Nellis Air Force Base Tunnel Test Range S-4. Room Lake, you name it. Uh, these aircraft employ a three-dimensional radar. And everybody else's radar was two-dimensional. Uh, the, uh, the black jets employed a three-dimensional radar, which is far superior. Uh, and and Scopitronics too also had a Cray system. To analyze uh, analyze bombing targets and, and uh, it was also the first aircraft where the pilot wore a helmet. It's called uh, you know, uh, psychoenergetic range finding. It's a copy from the Russian technology, Soviet Russian technology, where uh, a pilot can think in his own language and arm his weapons and and pick his target from his computer. It's still employed uh, in a second and third generation. It's extremely accurate. It cannot be faked. In other words, if another pilot uh, decides to uh, commit sabotage and jump in the cockpit, the plane won't, the plane won't even begin to run, let alone, let alone uh, any of the missiles firing or anything else. So it's kind of a unique system. It's kind of like the signature gun. And of course, we've heard about those in, in different movies and whatnot. Now we have the Aurora, which is a trans-atmospheric vehicle. And the Aurora, there's four of them currently being tested. I know it's been refuted, too, by a couple of uh, local gum shows before my lecture. He says, well, you, the Aurora doesn't exist. Bill, you know that. I said, well, really? He says, well, I guess you don't think this exists either. That's a picture of that. He says, map. He says, no, that doesn't exist either. I said, really? Hmm. Interesting. I suggest you have to see to learn something. Did they have one surpassing the Aurora? Yes, there are two other prototypes that are small space shuttles uh, capable of speeds in excess of 40,000 miles an hour. And plus, we also employ 29 prototypes of flying saucer and uh, are successful in piloting those at up to 90,000 miles an hour in the atmosphere without burning up. That's doing something because when you push, you go beyond Mach 3, actually beyond Mach 2.7, you, you ionize the air around it and uh, you, cause the, uh, you cause the elements of the air to actually catch fire. And, and you need a force field around that system to exceed Mach 3 or Mach 4 without burning up because you'd be, you'd be as hot as a glowing meteorite coming out of the mouth. 30 or 40,000 degrees. Anyway, the Aurora, there's four of them flying. They fly day and night. 
Uh, they can have 12 people in it as a crew. They can have a skeleton crew of as few as, uh, as, few as six. Uh, they can uh, basically leave uh, Tone Bug Test Range at 7 o'clock in the morning, do a complete loop around Russia and China and take all the pictures. They're predominantly a spy plane. They can take pictures, come back for lunch. That's how rapid it is. They, uh, they attain uh, from basically zero American again, This aircraft, this aircraft, and this aircraft are anti-lifting bodies. They are not conventional winged aircraft. A flying saucer theoretically is a is a uh, circular wing. Um, this one, these are not. Uh, these are anti-lifting bodies. In other words, it takes an incredible amount of speed before they're able to take off. Um, this is a, once again. This is all part of the the one-world government type system. Uh, I try to stay away from the political end, but it's kind of like the one-world government system. Uh, uh, take over the planet, and hopefully we don't have to tell the people of the planet what the alien agenda is. The alien agenda is uh, was probably never meant. The aliens never meant that we were going to alter the bargain, but the aliens were the ones back in 1954 who cut a treaty with us saying that, well, we'll give you a list of the people that we uh, implant and uh, and the cattle we mutilate, uh, and we'll give you the reason why and everything. Of course, that never happened. Uh, they kept altering the bargain until finally, uh, uh, in 1979, in Del Mexico, I was involved in that operation. Uh, We've gone down there to build an auxiliary base in the southern end of Del Cena, Mexico, already existing base on Archuleta Mesa. And uh, lo and behold, uh, when we drilled down, uh, we found aliens were already in there and have been in there for some time. Um, I can tell you when you're standing, say, as I am here, to where this gentleman is over here, and that's an alien graves pretty much seven feet tall and the meanest looking bastard you ever saw and uh, uh, not looking like a human being, uh, you kind of get petrified. And as an engineer, of course, I uh, didn't carry a regular, regular big 40, clunky 45 or anything built because it would get in the way. I carried tools and other kinds of things on my belt. And I also carried a small pistol, Walter BB2, and I shot a clip and uh, I emptied one clip into two of these uh, alien critters, as they call them. Yes, they are mortal. Uh, but I got also, uh, as soon as that happened, as I was reloading, I never got, got the clip into the gun. Uh, they hit me in the chest with some kind of chemical beam weapon that gave me a very high dose of nuclear radiation, similar to cobalt radiation. I'm not quite even more nasty. And, uh, in isolation afterwards for 50 some odd days, 57 days in total. And uh, it took another couple of years to recuperate. Uh, once again, I was in, my, my body was in a traumatic situation. But here I am talking, so it looks like you know, here we go again. But uh, I've got the scars to prove it. Uh, I can verify that they have so there. there. It's pretty, it's pretty gross. I'm there. It's pretty gross. Um, I don't want to, uh, they're ladies. 
there's a lady, ladies present here. So let's uh, not raise the shirt here. But they're there. And basically, as uh, we talking about alien agenda, we have to also be talking about what occurred over here. This is the Bikini Atoll test. Now here we have an actual extremely large, in quote, mothership uh, right at the point of a uh, neutron flash cloud. That's like uh, two or three ten thousandths of a second after the initial blast. And of course, the date of this was 12 July 1946. Uh, as we all remember, if we read our uh, history on uh, UFOs, how they started. Uh, it was, wasn't really known. As a matter of fact, uh, after Roswell, we remember that uh, there was a Senate hearing and uh, a House of Representatives hearing, a closed door session hearing, but a little bit leaked out in the public and stated that the government knew nothing about UFOs prior to that time. These pictures, these different pictures with UFOs actually in the pictures, actually with the original language, show that, um, I'm sorry, uh, actually show that the government lied to the Congress of the United States. They knew full well what was going on at least a year prior. Of course, uh, the Roswell incident. So, 2nd of July of 1947, this occurred, of course, 2nd of July, I think the earliest uh, A-bomb lab, uh, 12th July, 12th July, 1946, almost a full year before uh, they were supposed to know anything. And uh, here we have these streaks, and these are the classic discs that were, that were all been pictured like this. Uh, looks like the top hat series, as I call it. Some of them have a radium atomic propulsion system underneath it. Those streaks have all been confirmed as being just that. They're, they're a type 3A flying disc. And we have these small white dots, white dots. By the way, these guys here are receding from the ocean, taking the trajectory. They're getting out of there in the worst way. They'll probably not make it because of the radiation factor. But they're exceeding at speeds in excess of 13,000 miles an hour. And the white dots are exceeding 30,000 miles an hour as they're leaving. And they have actually changed the color. They've almost gone out of scope. And you're seeing a photograph, a very rapid photograph, with a blurred image. Uh, some of the photographs go from a black splash or, or dash to this white dot system. And then they go out of the scope of what we call visual reality. Uh, that takes a tremendous speed to do that. And this particular overview shot, which is an extremely rare photograph of an atomic blast, there's only, as far as I know, this is the only one ever shown to the public uh, of an overview of any kind. Uh, there are small dots and dashes, uh, basically, as I'd say, 
and use their own uh, garbage scows and ships and whatnot that they put in harm's way to see what the reaction would be of an atomic blast. And uh, I'm sure the atomic testing was conducted predominantly in case we had to be prepared and using atomic warfare to fight alien influence. And they needed a cover story, so this was a, the Russians and the Cold War and everything was over. This is a perfect cover story, although it later became more than a cover story, as we all know. Uh, these particular photographs also show small uh, dots and dashes, as I would say, and all of them have been confirmed. Now, this black system here in the atomic cloud uh, is actually time uh, being ripped up. Uh, the, of course, the atmosphere and the clouds and everything, and their time being warped by the initial blast itself. And that's by neutrinos going through and ionizing space, ionizing the atmosphere and whatnot, but exceeding the speed of light, so you produce an antimatter background and you get total blackness. And of course, here we have another UFO center here. Once again, uh, we haven't been told the truth on any of this. Uh, you know, we've been right here, also in this picture, in the bombing of Hiroshima, Nagasaki. This is of Nagasaki. Down at the bottom, we see the characteristic human face, uh, which is typical, typical of all A-bomb explosions over populated areas. You will always find a human face at the bottom of the uh, mushroom cloud. Nobody really knows if this is just by coincidence or the makeup of the cloud or whatever. But these little dots and dashes, these white dots and dashes, are receding at better than 30,000 miles per hour. And there are UFOs leaving the scene. Japan was infested with them. They, uh, their Navy had counted better part of two million of them uh, toward the closing end of World War II. Once again, it's all part of an alien attack on planet Earth. It's been going on steadily since World War II era. It's still going on, only now is subverted into, into large quantity, large uh, groups of human beings being actually abducted and implanted. And that's according to the Roper Report, which is part of the Remington Rand Corporation, uh, who did the reporting, the Bigelow Holding Company. Now they're in a third generation report, and of that third generation report, uh, clinical psychologists uh, uh, in the United States, 110,000 of them, uh, stated that basically women are being raped uh, by aliens. And I know as, as fantastic as that sounds, it's backed up by John Mack, Harold Wire. Uh, an MD as well as a clinical person. Uh, there's other, there's a, uh, John Mack is the most famous, uh, but uh, there's uh, some 90 concerned psychiatric scientists who are uh, trying to form an organization to uh, uh, prevent secrecy on the subject because it, they have mentioned this is nothing but government sponsored rape. 99.3% are women, 0.7 uh, or 7 tenths of 1% are men. Uh, 
or abducted and planted. So it's predominantly a female, female uh, type of uh, monitoring system. So once again, the alien agenda is, is to disturb the natural progress of, of the human race and uh, two alien agenda uh, beings. And of course, there's another thing to mention, any outer space alien, regardless of who they are, how benevolent or how, how evil they are, they're, they're a biological hazard because we have no defense against their germs. Absolutely none. In fact, they can kill us just by, just by being around. I developed something like jungle rotus delgata on my feet and on my back, and because of the Dulce New Mexico thing, uh, I get free hospitalization for the rest of my life. I don't have a good guinea pig, I guess. Uh, but theoretically, that's from being around inside that cave at that particular time. So that's the first time I've told any of you people that, but that's basically what it's all about. Um, uh, well, we've talked about the dumb bases and the black projects predominantly um, and the alien agenda. And I'd like to stick to another subject it's called Strategic Defense Initiative. Of course, this can very easily be, as mentioned by my late friend Ronald Rummel, Rummel, who was murdered incidentally by the three people inspired to kill him. Um, one person did the killing. One was a uh, NSA officer and one was an alcohol tobacco and firearms officer. Both were in custody as we speak. The third gentleman is fighting expedition. He's in Czechoslovakia. Uh, most likely able to uh, successfully fight extradition because uh, they don't follow the U.S. law very well. Uh, anyway, a strategic defense initiative is probably, instead of uh, preventing incoming missiles, although they're now that uh, most nations have, uh, favored and otherwise have nuclear missile technology, uh, uh, it's probably some form of uh, outer space defense defense against outer space attack and, uh, and it's pretty primitive indeed but it's better better than nothing and the second part of my talk will be aliens and the alien agenda I've already touched on that old alien bases uh, and like I said Bikini Island according to what was uh, studied after the A-bomb blast at the, some of the caves that were infested with uh, outplace artifacts dealing with UFOs uh, and other kinds of paraphernalia had, had rock forming around them. So they had been basically an alien junkyard on, in shallow seas for probably the better part of 10,000 years. So they've been around, that you might call an old alien base. Dulce, New Mexico is another old alien base or kind of a, a Montreal or clear agate had formed over some of the uh, parts uh, laying on the floor of, of the existing base and uh, it takes an extremely long period of time for geologically speaking for this to form. Uh, 
the aliens have probably been here the better part of at least a half a million and maybe as much as several million years although I have artifacts here which show uh, uh, artifacts that are like a small turbine looking at device sitting in 220 million year old fossil coral and I also have uh, alien metals which are present in and other uh, kinds of rock formations, including a piece of petrified wood, where an insect had basically burrowed a hole around one of its limbs, and then something had literally, like a laser, had literally sliced through it. But the cambium, or the or the uh, or the actual layers of the wood, had bent as the beam burned its way through it. I've got that in here too as well as an original piece of uh, uh, instantly petrified uh, uh, it's like a garlic root that was found in, in around Area 51. And uh, this particular piece of garlic type plant was instantly petrified, contains the same exact chemical structure of the quartz crystal. And the quartz crystal only grows in a certain left-handed uh, crystal pattern. And that same pattern is extant on, on fossil, uh, instantly petrified or fossilized plant life of uh, Hiroshima and Nagasaki. It's identical, chemically identical. So, uh, anyway, the next part of this, second part of the talk, are trees. Basically, there were four distinct trees made through the United States government from the from the alien encounter the first one was in 1944 the second one was 1954 the third one was 1962 and the fourth one was 1979 and i'll go backwards the 1979 treaty uh was a total violation of uh Incidentally, in Dulce, New Mexico, where I got badly hurt, uh, 66 Secret Service and Delta Delta Force people lost their lives, 22 of which were uh, on loan from other countries, uh, Israel, Germany, uh, Norway, uh, South Africa. I was the only geologist, geological engineer down there to analyze the situation. Uh, the government almost basically lied to us. They kind of said that alien presence might be there, but they didn't tell us. That they knew that there was an alien base and that they'd already, already attempted to uh, make contact. And of course, this was disturbing indeed. In fact, a couple of the engineers who managed to survive put the project under duress. Another part of the talk are the intelligence community. The Nazi group, the World War II Nazi or Hitlerian group, the Fatherland Intelligence Agency trained our CIA, our OSS, which became our CIA, and other intelligence communities predominantly, and are still being employed today as we today as we, in quote, the federal government today uh, trains uh, uh, Bosnian troops on American soil. And from what I understand, that's totally illegal. 
And that's another copy. Now, the third part of the talk is uh, the types of aliens. The large gray that I, sh two large grays that I shot and killed. Uh, I can't tell you how ugly they were, and I can never tell you how graphic the stench was. But in the cave, there were large cauldrons or tanks. Uh, they kind of looked like a big uh, oval cattle feeding tank, but they weren't. They were special. They looked like a stainless steel or metallic tank. And they were filled with alien uh, and human. Uh, body parts and generally glands and like some kind of blood gun. Uh, I've always been taught that blood after a few minutes starts to congeal but this was, uh, was one of these uh, vessels that in the melee had tipped over and all this bloody liquid had spilled out with the mess and it was definitely not coagulated. Uh, how they did this is anybody's guess. If we remember anything about cattle mutilations, we might also think that the, basically the blood in, the, in these cattle are totally drained out. Uh, there's no blood around, no blood around, in quote, the murder scene of, of, of the cattle. So, um, so this might be the way they're doing it. Now, whether this is uh, sponsored by our government or other governments is, uh, is, a, good, is a good guess. If it were up to me, I'd say yes, we're in the thick of it. We made a pact with the aliens, and therefore we must know what their agenda is. And, and uh, also, the federal government must also further know that if they keep the big lie going, they must be in the thick of it in the worst way. And if that's the case, they're, they're an enemy of gross concern. Who is we? We, in quote, the federal government. Department of State. Department of State, uh, Department of the Air Force, Navy, Army, Marine Corps, basic uh, force services, plus uh, the military policing facilities, the FBI, and all the different. They're also akin to the, the Black Projects as a whole. In this part of the Black Projects, uh, there's kind of like an outer sphere of normal black projects like building and everything from these kind of aircraft here uh, and doing these kind of experiments here uh, building aircraft like this uh, places like this and that's kind of on the outside on the inside on the inside of this circle we get a, a tighter group of people who really know what the main agenda is maybe even the enslavement of the human race as a remnant uh, as, or, or something in, as a scenario like that. And then finally a third category whereby, whereby none of the other two categories would even, even hint at the possibility or the horror of what's happening. And it's a very compartmentalized system. I can only begin to guess, even though that I've been able to think of things from the outer core to the second core level, but I have no idea what's in the third core level. No way at all. And because it's so complicated, I've heard some of this run by me, it's so fantastic. It makes a Star Wars or, 
movie or a, or a, a Star Trek novel, or a Babylon 5 novel, it's like a kid's toy. I mean, it's too fantastic for me to believe. So uh, uh, I can I can assume that uh, other it might be a, a other worldly uh, plan or scenario for taking over the planet. But once again, I can't prove it, so I don't talk about it. Right here, I'm only basically to discuss basically what I know of the alien agenda and through the deep underground military base and the application of that idea during, during this kind of activity U.S. government. Uh, I'll have a question and answer period in a short time. I've already talked about uh, old fireplace. Uh, I will tell you right now, I'm breaking major federal law, breaking my entire security oath system. Uh, security oath, right here's a copy of my 1985 security clearance. You might zoom in on that here too. Can we do that? Yeah. Tell me when. Okay. And of course, it's got a picture of me. It's got Department of the Air Force. It's got uh, a control number here. It's got a digital control number and name here. It's got a UPC stripe here. It's got a level L. Uh, that was only issue of people that worked at Green Lake and Area S4. And our restricted zone R4808E. This is a computer chip camera in the card itself. You didn't wear the car like you had, you wore another security card. This one wasn't worn. This was used to get you into the main gate. And there was a large machine. There was, I can't draw it. There was a large machine that looked like a kind of like a, a, a curved uh, the bottom part. You put the card in, and uh, you put your thumbprint on. You're supposed to actually. Some of them have two of them. I don't have a second thumb. So if this one was made of one, there's normally two here in the L for normal person would be up through the UPC stripe. So there's one, and I put my thumb there on the bottom, and if it would flash green, I flip switch. And then uh, I insert the card in the second part of the uh, control unit, and there'd be a thing that would hold my forehead, and I could block off my left eye and stick this thing up to my up to my uh, right eye and take a picture of my retina. And then if the green light went off, it would, I could remove my card and I could leave it at the guard shack and I'd wait for anywhere from 45 minutes to several hours waiting for the next ship to start. I'm breaking all my securios by coming out in the open and talking about this because not only are we dealing with a kind of technology I believe that we should we should uh, be out, it should be out in the public. It should, at least this kind of 50 and 60 year old material should be out in the public. Uh, I feel that, that in coming clean, so to speak, uh, I don't know quite how to explain it other than the fact that when I initially was told these underground bases were, were for uh, security, uh, in case of nuclear attack in the United States, and uh, it was a total lie. 
found out that aliens were actually entrenched in half of these bases. And uh, these bases, by the way, cost a minimum of $17 billion apiece. The black budget garners $508 billion a year, $1.023 trillion every two years. That's two-year-old information. It's probably more like $1.3 trillion now, which is about one quarter of the gross national product of the United States. It's no wonder why our economy is kind of up and down here and there. Uh, once again, you might ask, well, how in the heck uh, we've only been told, uh, we the public have only been told there there's a total defense budget of $447 billion, so how can there be $500 billion going on behind the scenes? First of all, black budget means hidden budget. Hidden budget is totally hidden from congressional view and oversight, cannot be audited uh, by the U.S. Treasury system at all. It is a separate, independent taxing body entity within the federal government structure, which, by the way, is illegal totally illegal. It's primarily financed by drug operations by the CIA and the NSA and the Drug Enforcement Administration, and now the FBI is implicated also. Uh, recently there was an FBI man who came out of the cold, so to speak, and told all, only to find himself uh, murdered and took a vacation in England and himself murdered that was in the paper about three years ago. Anyway, nine attempts on my life have been taken all since the first of January of this year. Well, I've been shot at and run off the road times we were off the road, one of which is uh, a very good driver. I used to race cars for somewhat of a hobby type living. Uh, I used to race everything from Formula One on down, uh, motorcycles and stuff like that. Kids, so I lived kind of, kind of on the edge all the time. Uh, so I became a very good driver and a very defensive driver. And so if somebody's trying to run me off the road, like before my Vegas talk, I dropped a friend of mine off at 29 Palms area and saw another friend of mine at the uh, Marine Corps Hospital was back in Cancer. And on the way out of there, you have to, you have to skirt around a whole mountain range. You just can't take the easiest way in a straight line out. It'd be nice, but it doesn't work that way. You have to skirt around these mountains. And, uh, I had a Ford Taurus with a police interceptor motor. And, uh, like an eight-liter motor, which they're no monster. And uh, they, uh, there were two long E350, Ford E350 vans, and they all had uh, Air Force markings on them. They were, uh, they all had guns, and they were all shooting, and they were missing. And uh, I flew by them and took a picture of their. Uh, as a blur, I took a picture of them, got a very good picture of their license plate. And uh, then, they, then they spread out and tried to, try to 
squeezed me in this way, and then finally I just slid right in the middle of the road, and the road was wide enough for basically one-way traffic. And one of them went over, rolled over, and kept going down for about three or 400 feet down a very steep ravine. The other one was a shallow ravine about 10 feet deep. I just kind of peered over, got my, hooked my seatbelt, peered over, and there was a big fire started on down there. I could hear people screaming, but I'm sorry, that's their, their deal. I just kept on going. That was one way. Uh, recently, I got shot at when I was with a retired FBI agent. They were going to go to a Patriot talk show down near Salem, Oregon. And I got shot here, here, here what's called a CIA cocktail. Uh, uh, I don't have normal ribs after Dulce New Mexico fiasco where my ribs are burnt, cauterized, my fingers are burnt off of me, uh, etc. Uh, I have a plastic plate in here, a nylon plate that has bumps on it, like ribs and everything, so those bullets just kind of just lodged in this big, five-inch big plastic a movable plastic thing on the inside and that uh, was dug out and, uh, and once again here I am recuperating from another problem and all because I'm trying to bring the American public and I love my country more in my life otherwise I wouldn't be doing this ridiculous group of things uh, by coming clean but I, I feel I have to because the American public was not only to lie to, but when I was asked to um, by the intelligence committee within the Air Force to uh, continue my operations in black budget work, uh, stealthy work, uh, what would I think if I if they said that I would be betraying the American public? I told them to go fly it, go stealth it, or whatever. I said, I won't be a party to that. And I walked out of the room, and somebody tried to tell me to come back, and I said, it's out of my face, fellow. You're on the ground. Get out of my face, and went on the ground. And I walked away, and went uh, on and made a decision. I said, bye. And that's why I'm here talking. I also want to get a little political sided here, although I don't like to. Uh, right now we have an out-of-touch, runaway federal government structure that really doesn't care about the way you and I feel. Uh, they manipulate evidences of crimes as in several instances, both in, both in Waco and other. Uh, the Waco hearings should have been a wake-up call to most who were watching, even if they'd only watched a piece of it. Um, it's once again pros the federal government structure is uh, just running away with everybody's freedom and uh, they run roughshod over. They've actually become kings and queens over us. Our forefathers told us exactly what would happen if we, if we took a certain stand, if we, if we made laws to legislate God out of our system, we would have a similar problem. If we made laws or or had too many people making laws within our government structure, we would have a similar problem that we're facing today. We're facing a form of 
uh, tyranny and totalitarianism. Incidentally, you might want to throw a few statistics by you. And it's quite provable in a number of talks given recently, uh, both by the United Nations and others. The United Nations is entrenched in our country. They're training our troops. So our, our troops are being trained by the United Nations in the United States, and I think that's kind of an oddball system. Uh, Russian troops are being trained of basically Montana and uh, North Dakota and the Northern Tier states, Washington, upstate Washington, etc. Uh, there's a stockpiling of Russian uh, tanks and hardware by the U.S. Army. For what purpose? Also, there we have purchased uh, at the cost of uh, some thirty-eight billion dollars all the Russian nerve gas. Nerve gas is uh, uh, their nerve gas is extremely long shelf life. We're destroying our own nerve gas, which has a relatively short shelf life, so fifteen years. But the Russian variety is extremely deadly, and also uh, I'll tell you something else about that. The Russian nerve gas is composed primarily of, of glandular secretions, uh, and they even mentioned uh, as they were downing flying saucers within their own country, they found a way of making chemical weapons from some of the uh, alien uh, alien cadavers and that kind of thing like that. So from some of the uh, uh, some of the glandular excretions. So once again, biological weapons against the people of the United States. Um, there have been other talks given by other people alluding to this, including Ted Gunderson, who's an ex-FBI agent, who's got tired of the federal government tromping on him. And, and another uh, ex-astronaut by the name of James, James Groden, not, not the Groden of uh, Alternative 3, uh, book fame at this another book. Uh, a number of key government people start coming out slowly, but unfortunately it's in a snail's pace. I'm the only one that ever worked that had a level three security clearance that came out from the cult, so to speak, and completely made everything open to the or any public. Uh, something like this was tried in Britain and in France with the person that uh, Incidentally, uh, I can't be charged with espionage theoretically because uh, according to our, uh, including one person who said, oh, that, this place doesn't exist. Well, it's on an aerial map. Uh, if it doesn't exist, I'm just full of, you know what, hype Louis, so it's bacon, uh, and uh, I'm just crazy or something like that. And so be it. And if it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. Uh, you know, how can I be charged with a crime on something that doesn't exist? Another thing is that uh, uh, if you're guilty of espionage, you have to sell four dollars or cents or some form of monetary gain the information that you impart. I'm not doing that to me. I'm sure the talk, the lecture, is accounted. It's actual exchange of money by another individual for the information. 
important to proscribe information. Well, I'm going to be getting out a few alien artifacts here. I'll let you take a look, and you're welcome to kind of stretch your legs a little bit and see. Put her off some so see them. government people start coming out slowly, but unfortunately it's in a snail space. I'm the only one that ever worked and had a level three security clearance that came out from the cult, so to speak, and completely laid everything open to the or any public. Uh, something like this was tried in Britain and in France with the person that Incidentally, uh, I can't be charged with espionage theoretically because, according to our, uh, including one person who said, "Oh, that this place doesn't exist." Well, it's on an aerial map. It's kind of different. Uh, if it doesn't exist, I'm just full of you know what, uh, Ivan, Louis, so to speak, and. Uh, and uh, I'm just crazy or something like that, and so be it. And if it doesn't exist, it doesn't exist. Uh, you know, how can I be charged with a crime on something that doesn't exist? Another thing is that uh, uh, to be guilty of espionage, you have to sell four dollars or cents or some form of monetary gain the information that you impart. I'm not doing that today. I should perform the talk, the lecture, is accounting. It's actual exchange of money by another for the information, for the proscribed information. Well, I'm going to be getting out a few alien artifacts here. I'll let you take a look, and you're welcome to kind of stretch your legs a little bit and see. About to look at very carefully, and I'll leave my hand lens out for you to take a peek. By the way, when you use this hand lens, you want to get right up on the object like this. You'll see a line going straight through with the wood layers of cambium coming this way as whatever went through it, burnt through it. It's very interesting. Awesome. And there's another out of place artifact of blue parts, so to speak. This is another fossil. This is at one time a cave mushroom, uh, a fossil plant. It's something cut it absolutely perfectly, like a, like a laser cut right through the thing, and part of it slid off. And it later got perfectly petrified, similarly to the Hiroshima and Nagasaki atomic bomb test with a similar signature. And here's this petrified, instantly petrified garlic plant. Incidentally, this is 65 to 100 million years old. This is 105 to 130 million years old. This is roughly 30 million years old. It has the exact chemical makeup and structure of quartz crystals 
performed on it on its surface and on the internal structure of the plant itself, which this the top part, of course, the, uh, the sprout is all broken off. This is the sprout underneath it, and uh, the quartz crystals are identical to material found at Hiroshima and Nagasaki after we found the sprout. Uh, here's a bottle of, uh, of uh, the RAM coating of black jets. Of course, when they, they come in after their mission, they're glowing uh, red hot and they drip this stuff, particular material, off on this uh, input tarmac. This isn't tar, it's a special cement. And it just drips. And maybe some of these aircraft, uh, you might see drip spots like here and here and there. And in different places. So this is the material, it's like lava that drops off of it. It also contains certain alien elements, or alien reproduced elements. Here's a piece of fossil coral from Jordan, uh, having a small particular non-fossil, it isn't a crinoid, it might be, some of you might know what a crinoid, fo crinoid fossil is. It's kind of like an underwater uh, uh, lily or plant, seawater lily, but this isn't it. This is actual machined out part, similar to a rotor fan, a miniature rotor fan, there's a small engine right there. This is Element 123, which is uh, also in topoline. Topoline and Element 123, they're very much heavier in uranium. They're island of stability elements. They're uh, uh, by the way, these pieces of metal I've purchased with my own money when I worked for the government. As if they were test samples, they never bothered to pick them back up nor did they pay me back for them, so my property. Uh, but it's a golden orange metal. Uh, the pure metal is, is, is pure golden orange, and like lead, you can just carve it. It's a very peculiar metal indeed. Totally stable, cannot be, cannot be isotoped. Element 123 with an atomic weight of about 320, and uh, here it is. Almost twice the weight of uranium. Where did that come from, Phil? Um, that was uh, formed down at Dulce, New Mexico, and also there were scrap heaps and scrap piles of it in around the uh, Tom Paul Test Range, which is uh, right here. Tom Paul Test Range is actually up above the Grim Lake. Is that metal from our soil? Is that metal from our soil? No. This is an alien, this is a, two alien elements. Here, if I might show you, uh, here's the brick lamp that I'll be underneath. Hi, it's the brick lamp that I'll be underneath. I thought I had some, uh, yeah, here is a This periodic chart was developed by a number of scientists anonymously, don't want their name revealed. Uh, of course, all we're familiar with is element 103, and it's been around for a long time. And a couple of these were made in Russia. These that don't have any name, uh, they, they're very short-lived indeed. 
element 109 to 110 also. But after, from 111 to 140, these are all elements that were uh, garnered off of uh, alien attack vehicles or alien spaceships or flying saucers when they were taken apart. Now, topoline is here, uh, element 117, and element 123 is myrnite. It's a combination of both those, an extremely hard substance capable of standing temperatures in excess of, of uh, 9,500 degrees Fahrenheit to as much as uh, 14,000 degrees Fahrenheit. Uh, this piece of material is uh, it's a kind of in a Florida leaf pattern. Uh, this kind of material is lighter than lithium. Of course, lithium is number three. I want to point out it's number three on the scale. It's a, it's an earth, it's a terrestrial element, but this is somewhere between two and three, between helium and lithium. It also is an alien element. It's what they call a mixture, an admixture element. It's extremely light, and uh, it's uh, used in the airframes of all black jets and F-117A, B-2, uh, B-1, B-2, and uh, B-30, uh, or, or the uh, Aurora series. And it comes in a scalenohedrocrystalline form, which is alien. It's kind of a dead giveaway. Here's a tabular scalenohedrocrystalline form, four times the hardness of a diamond, four times the tensile strength, capable of withstanding temperatures in excess of 45,000 degrees Fahrenheit before chemical breakdown. It is used in the window frag, uh, the small slit windows there in the underbellies and the blackened out windows uh, of the actual cockpit, although most of these uh, pilots fly blind. They, they don't ever see anything from the ground. So this kind of, that's also an alien material. And it is uh, element, uh, if I remember right, it's element uh, 113. Here's another alien uh, element formed in the confines of Eros, uh, outer space. Uh, you might ask, what are we space shuttling with all our shuttle missions? Of course, we're being lied to every time they talk or open their lips. Uh, open their mouth. Uh, the same crystalline structure is here as well as it is here. This material is the hardness of a diamond. It's also used in the uh, rotor and propeller shafts uh, of propellered aircraft or, or and or uh, rotored aircraft. Uh, it's also used in high speed drills and other kinds of things like that which are, are used to uh, make uh, holes in, in metals that cannot be touched with a welding torch. And this, of course, is, is a hunk of metal. And I have a real treat here. When I was 14 years old, I was with my father who was talking to a Sir Johnny Rollins, or Sir Johnny H. Rollins, who was a, a British naval sea lord and he had collected some of the crash retrieval uh, objects of the, uh, of the infamous uh, uh, Roswell uh, crash. And these are actually little bits of the skin 